wondered how the pros put together epic tailor-made travel adventures? Welcome to the Intrepid Traveler podcast. I'm your host, Robin Klein, and I'm going to explain to you just how that is done during my conversation with today's guest. Envision yourself driving through the Tuscan countryside in a Ferrari, sipping champagne on a remote island in the Indian Ocean, camel trekking in Kenya, lounging in a luxury echo lodge in South America, or seeing the Southern Cross from a dark sky reserve in Australia. When it comes to luxury adventure and expedition travel, the possibilities are endless. And in each episode, you'll hear from an expert in his or her field about how these experiences and more are created. This episode of The Intrepid Traveler is brought to you by Klein & Co. Travel Consulting, a luxury adventure and expedition travel planning company specializing in ungoogleable experiences. You can find us on the web at kleinandcotravel.com. That's Klein with a C, C-L-I-N-E. On Instagram at Klein & Co. Travel. We have a private Facebook group you're welcome to join, or you can find us on LinkedIn or catch the video version on YouTube. With that said, let's welcome our guest to today's show. Today, I am welcoming Andy Biggs of Andy Biggs Safaris. I'm glad to have you here. Thanks for being with me, Andy. Thanks for thanks for having me. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So before we dig into safaris and what you do in particular with safaris, I want to hear a little bit of the story of how you made the shift from accounting to being a photographic <laughs> safari expert, because that's, that's like right. two different worlds completely. So how did that happen? Yeah, you know, I like to call that transformation the, the uh, like Silicon Valley to the Serengeti. Um, 20 oh, years right. ago, yeah, 20 years ago, I went on a safari. I took a sabbatical from work. I decided to to leave the consulting business that I was a part of out in California. And hey, let's go, let's go on safari. Let's go climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Well, six weeks later, <laughs> six weeks later, I got back home and I was I was just infected with the with the Africa safari bug. Yeah. yeah. And I st- I built a a complete business plan around around that experience that I had. We climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, we went on safari, went to uh, Zanzibar, sat on the beaches, went over to Kenya, spent some more safari time. And by the end of that, I realized that there was actually a good merger of, of what I loved, which was photography and being out in nature with travel, with being on safari. Because if you look at it, this was 2002. 2002 was that kind of the beginning of the time when baby boomers were retiring. Okay. Right. And it was also at the beginning of the digital photography revolution. It was mm-hmm. really like a huge paradigm shift, which brought a lot of people into photography or it brought them back to photography. Like they were into it as young, younger people and the whole kind of workflow of around shooting film, getting it developed, getting the prints back. It was just not that enjoyable. And now all of a sudden we had products, digital cameras that were, that would allow you to go on safari and capture as many images as you want. But there was also at the same time, a lot of anxiety around that. Like, what do, how do I use my camera? How do I download my photographs? Yeah. Ah, all this, all this angst. So I was there starting my business to, to help people do that. So I, I kind of had the intersection of the safari world meets digital photography meets photographic instruction. I'm going to, I'm going to help, help you with all of this. We'll take care of it for you. That's awesome. Yeah. Ah, yeah, great. and so that. Th- and that and that took a few years to to take off. That was 2002. I would say I basically quit my consulting world, my corporate world, in 2006. Okay, 
uh, like three months after the, the my first yeah, son yeah. was born. Right. Great oh, time, okay. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so it wasn't like when it like it wasn't like the six weeks. Like I went, to, I went to Tanzania. I count, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, came home, and boom, started a brand new business. It did take time to get that fleshed oh, out. Yeah, that it, it happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm a, I'm a risk averse individual. I don't okay. jump into something so yeah. dramatic as that. Uh, so I just did it slowly. It took yeah. it took four years. But that four years, it, it actually, I could have done it sooner, but I just mm-hmm. slowed it down a little bit until I made sure I had enough business to support myself. Sure. For sure. my family. Yeah. yeah. Well, that makes sense. Well, so now fast forward. So now you've been doing it for 20, 20 years, you said. 20 right? years. Yeah, yeah, 20 years. Okay. 20 years. So yeah. now that you've been doing it for 20 years, um, obviously you've got it all figured out. And you've been to all the countries. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> and you've been to all the countries in Africa and everywhere else. No, I'm kidding. So when you have people come on these trips and it's it's a photographic safari. So like how much of it is instruction? How much of it is people that just kind of want to do their own thing? How much, you know, how, do, how does it work? How, I've never, I've only been on horseback safaris and adventure yeah. type safaris. Mine have never been focused on photography. So tell me how that works. Well, I would say it's a complex answer because it's changed over time. 2002, 2006 to 2010 was heavy, heavy, heavy instruction. Andy, how do I turn on my camera? How do I download my photographs? Just, ah. And then it slowly morphed into, oh, you've got an iPhone. No problem. We will use whatever you have to make it work. My instruction is kind of like where wildlife behavior and traditional guiding explaining mm-hmm. what the subject is, what it's doing, why it's doing it, and then also following up with how to photograph it and what makes that moment or that situation unique photographically. So the answer is it really depends on the customer. Mm-hmm. 10 years ago, everybody on my safaris that I would advertise on my website, everybody that would show up would have a camera in hand that was not an iPhone. Or a smartphone. And now I would say it's probably closer to 25 to 50% wow. that have a big, a big camera. Yeah. And the rest are either tag along spouses, partners, family members, and a lot of iPhones. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. I think it's just, I think it, it, it just speaks to how technology has changed yeah. and made life so much easier. Yeah. But at, at underneath all of this is still a, a, a deep discussion around wildlife behavior around what it's doing, why it's doing it, what makes that that moment unique photographically, mm-hmm. and then how do we position our vehicle and how do we spend our time taking photographs or video, yeah. whether it's an iPhone or a big camera, yeah. it just doesn't really matter to me. Yeah. I'm agnostic. I don't care. <laughs> I was just about to say, you know, I, I'm a um, Android person and I was feeling a little like, oh man, if I oh, yeah. have an iPhone in my <laughs> well, mouth. <laughs> you know, we, we could do that too. <laughs> that too. Well, you know, it really doesn't matter. Well, and it's interesting to me because the first time I went, you know, I took a a regular camera, like a little pocket camera. I had my phone, you know, and it was a little bit, it was just too much. It was, and I found that I also was spending a lot of time taking pictures and then afterward had a bajillion of them. And it was like, gosh, why did I take all these pictures instead of just enjoying watching a lot of it. So there's, I'm sure that even when you're doing a photographic safari, that there's that happy medium of sitting and watching and observing and knowing when to actually take a picture instead of just constant shooting. Yeah. You know, it's also, it's also an opportunity to never forget the things like sundown or drinks, getting out of the vehicle, 
you know, putting grass underneath your feet, just to, and enjoying all of the experiences available. It right. doesn't mean you have to sit there and photograph all of the time. Right. Uh, it's, but things have changed in the last five to 10 years away from the big lenses, away from the kind of type A behavior. I've got to get this trophy photograph mm-hmm. to, Hey, let's just enjoy ourselves. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. It's, it's nice to come home with some great pictures, but it's really nice to come home with some great memories that aren't necessarily seen through a little lens. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. But you know, but camera gear has been getting smaller and smaller yeah. over the last at least five years and it's making life a lot easier. I think for my yeah. planning purposes, I don't have to, to plan as much weight right. allowance for these bush plane. Right. Products. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Which is always, always a thing you have to definitely have to plan for. So, yeah. all right. So talking about the wildlife now, obviously um, Africa is a huge place, lots of different oh, countries. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And you can have, you know, every kind of experience imaginable. Do you have a favorite or one that you're more, uh, yeah, I know that's hard. That's a loaded question. Totally. But I mean, do you yeah, have, I mean, one. do you love taking pictures in Botswana more than Kenya or at, you know, uh, Mount Kilimanjaro or, you know, is there anything that just like is your biggest draw? So, so let me, I'm, I'm going to give a, I'm going to give a very complex answer. That's fine. That's fine. Tell I'm addicted fine. to remote places. Okay. Yeah. So I like remote yeah. places where I don't feel where, where, where I feel free and that freedom comes from having very few people around me, or it may come from having access to a given area where I can drive off road and yeah. I can just stay out late and look at the stars. Just yeah. that, that is what I love the most. Okay. Yeah. So maybe it's not country specific it might be conservation area specific okay okay yeah let's put it that way right yeah but my my most often traveled to countries for me for my guided safaris would definitely be kenya tanzania rwanda and botswana those are my kind of four Mm -hmm. home bases using and adding in uganda zambia zimbabwe south africa and namibia as well yeah, okay. I just kind of sprinkle in, and you know, I like to think of this 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 travel industry, the safari travel industry, as having different kind of pillars of experiences, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then you you kind of fill up these experiences similar to how people might put together like a financial portfolio. You know, this thing does this for me, and this location does this for me, and then I sprinkle in the other pieces. Yeah, that kind yeah. of fill in. That makes that that makes total sense to me. I mean, my first trip to Kenya, you know, to kind of check the boxes that you're supposed to check. And then the next yeah. time I went back, it was the, you know, the helicopter trips and safaris and uh, getting, uh, you getting spent time with Andrew. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and getting up, you know, getting up north and, you know, doing getting out to the Indian Ocean and going and doing things and seeing places and having experiences that are different from what most people when they think of a safari think of. So yeah, you know, a safari is, I think, traditionally thought of not traditionally, I'd say in the last 20 or 30 years as being you get in a vehicle, you drive, you look for lines, you take photographs, you drive some more and you look at giraffes and elephants, right? Right. It's not just like it can be that it can be that if you're driven towards that, but you can do a lot of walking, a lot of horseback riding, helicopters, helicopters, basically flying over beautiful areas. Maybe it's Soda Lakes in Northern Kenya with Mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands of flamingos underneath you, right? There are many, many different ways of running safaris. For example, next March, I'm running a trip in Northern Kenya that's exclusively 
driven around taking photographs and spending time with remote cultures. That's yeah. it. That's fabulous. That's yeah. That's yeah, we'll see our, some beautiful yeah. nature and we'll see some wildlife along yeah. the way. Yeah. That's not the main driver. I just want right. to get people far remote, having unique experiences that they'll remember right. forever. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's fantastic. And it's what I love to do too. I mean, with my travel business, you know, that's kind of, it's not my, I'm not exclusively safaris, but I'm pretty exclusively on the adventure and expedition and like, let's find something that's different and unique and that you haven't done before. And, you know, let's have a look at the world a little, through a little bit of a different lens, you know? So, yeah, you know, and that, and that, and, and to that, to that point, that actually brings up a discussion of the value of a travel planner, right? Mm. This is something that we know and we understand really well. And it's a reason for working with us. And as opposed to, oh, I'm just going to go on to, you know, TripAdvisor and I'm just going to book this hotel, book that hotel, and I'll figure out the transfers at some point in the future. And you're going to miss out on all these other things that these are kind of backdoor passes that we know about or these unique experiences that all add up. It really kind of it's fun sharing those things and those moments with people that want to do something unique. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't, couldn't agree more. So going back to the, to the number of uh, countries there are in Africa, how many of them have you been to? Ooh, I've never added them up. But oh, you haven't? oh my gosh. I'd have like, <laughs> I would have a list of, you know, I'd be like, you know, how many countries in the world, how many on these continents, you know, yeah. yeah, I'm all about that. Like, But I'm probably <laughs> somewhere between 15 and 18, okay. I guess, on the yeah. continent. Yeah, yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to add another one in August. I'm going to the Congo. Oh, Ooh, and nice. Central African Republic. So I'll nice. add two more. Nice. Uh, chasing nice. lowland gorillas around. Yeah. So I'll, I'll be hitting 20 probably yeah. pretty soon. Great. Yeah. Great. That's yeah. exciting. What, yeah. What's your number? What's your number? It's not very high because I keep going back to Kenya. <laughs> But yeah, I have, it's addictive, isn't it? It really is. It's sort of like every time I decide I'm going to go someplace else, I'm like, well, I'll just stop in Kenya first. And then I make the trip so long in Kenya that I'm like, oh, well, then I'll have to do that the next time. So, but no, I have, I have some trips <laughs> planned to Rwanda, Namibia, Botswana. So talking. those are the next, yes. those are the next ones on the list. And, you know, I, I want to kind of, you know, go off. I told you, told you in the pre, uh, you know, we we're in the green room before we got on the recording oh, yeah, here. The yeah, room, yeah. Yeah. When we we're in the green room. I, I discussed <laughs> Namibia a little bit, which I hadn't really planned to go there, but it's something, it's yeah. a place that just fascinates me so much. And I've had more and more inquiries about it, you know, but it's an interesting place too, because so many of these animals that live there are desert adapted. And they are also, it's not a place that you necessarily go as much for animal sightings as you do the landscapes and all that. So maybe speak a little bit about that and the the amazing country that that is. If you kind of look at the big picture, we've got a country the size of France that has 1.8, 1.8, 1.9 million people in it total. And most of them live between Vinhook and the Caprivi Strip. And the north, and you have two deserts. You have the Namib Desert. You have the Kalahari Desert. You have just vastly different landscapes all throughout the country. You could spend a month or two there and not feel like you've seen everything. Okay. Yeah. I love it for both wildlife and landscapes. Planning trips there, I kind of have to skew it towards one or the other. The Atosha Pan is where most mm-hmm. people would would gravitate towards for a wildlife safari. And that's sure. basically an ancient version of our current Okavango Delta in Botswana. Yeah. Basically some tectonic or some some plate movements have 
have diverted the, 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 the water towards the ocean of the Konani River. But it's basically a very rich wildlife experience. It's mm-hmm. very different than a Botswana wildlife experience yeah. in other countries as well. To me, Namibia is this beautiful, remote, thrilling location that uh, people, they, they, they see it and they say, I want to go there. Yeah. I want to go there. Yeah. It's, 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 it's like no other place on the planet, right? Yeah. The tallest sand dunes on earth. Yeah. Oh, it's neat. Yeah. Well, my, my dream is to do a horseback safari there and oh, you, know, wow. you, end, you yeah. end up, end up at the skeleton coast and um, you drive, you know, ride through the desert and camp. And it's, I mean, it's just, it's, you know, not everybody's cup of tea for sure, but I, I need to do no. that before I'm too old to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, get on it. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, and just another note on that. So for anybody that's ever seen pictures of the, the white elephants, that's where you find them is yeah. in, Tosha because of that uh dart yeah, the it's soil, there the yeah the soil. soil thank you thank you the, the yeah, dart <laughs> often referred to as go- the ghost elephant exactly exactly yeah. yeah yeah so anyway great great yeah. let's talk for a second about why conservation is such an important part of safari and to, to me personally i think it's the most important part of it and tell me what your take on that is well, without it, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have the safari business to begin with. You wouldn't be able to go on safari. They have to go hand in hand. You know, conservation isn't just a one word about like we're conserving this animal species. We're we're conserving lifestyle of people. We're conserving wild areas. We're expanding wild areas. Uh, it's 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 an integral part. You know, the, the tourism industry plays a financial role in it, mm-hmm. but it's. That's not enough, actually. And right. more money is needed than just what we are providing through concession fees, park fees, conservation levies, our being there. It all contributes. It's great, yeah. but it's not enough, actually. Right. So if you look right. at the true cost of conservation, it's very, 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 very big. Right. Very, very big. So so, right. so I uh, there are trips that I run and that I set up that are specifically driven for people who are interested in participating in conservation. For example, on Sunday, I leave to go to Kenya to go guide a a pair of back-to-back trips to Sheldrick Wildlife Trust camps in Mm -hmm. the bush, where we are participating in watching elephants being rewilded. They're being reintroduced into the wild. And these are, are, at one point, they were younger elephants that were taken in as orphans. And now they're basically being put through the system and and a wonderful process of getting them back into the wild. It is, so, and it, it is an amazing yeah. system they have there. It's incredible. And if anybody hasn't read Daphne Sheldrick's book, yeah. uh, Love Life and I think it's Love Life and Elephants, uh, it is is just wonderful how that all, the story about how it all came to be. And it's a huge, huge success story. And like you said, the rewilding oh, yeah. and, you know, all now they're keeping track of these um, elephants that have been saved that are breeding in the wild and having wild babies. And, you know, it's really oh, it's yeah. a program that's really working. Yeah. And when we're there, uh, we often see the the mothers bringing back their new new babies, but these are mothers that came through the system right. and were rewilded. Right, it's really an right. amazing experience. No, and is. then of course at the end of these trips, we we will go do a traditional safari, like go to the Masai Mara or mm-hmm. go to the, the Lakipia Plateau to go spend yeah. some time looking at other species. Absolutely. Well, and the, you know the yeah. other part about that, I think too, on the conservation end of it, is that 
you know, there's an education aspect of it for the people as well, as far as land land management and, you know, education um, of their own people. And I think that there's been a real blossoming of kind of an awareness and a global kind of uh, embracing, you know, of we can, we can make this work. People don't have to give up their lifestyles and their traditions and all of that, but they can improve their lives and their where they live and the planet all at the same time. Yeah, you know, I mean, employment in some of these areas is is going hand in hand with tourism and conservation. It's all working together. And, you know, it's, it's not perfect. Um, there are certain, a lot of, well, there are a lot of opportunities for improvement. Right. And we just have to keep getting the word out yep. there and keep our tourism side of the business going. So right. that we participate in it from our side. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 No, that's great. Right. So tell me about the picture behind you before we wrap up. Oh, I'm curious. Yeah. What's, the, what's the story? I'm going to scoot to the side yeah. here. Yeah. This is a photograph I took a couple of years ago in uh, Amboseli National Park. Mm-hmm. This is a herd of elephants that were walking from the basically the base of Mount Kilimanjaro to the to the to the water source within the national park. And, it, and you can't see it very well, but there's Mount Kilimanjaro yep. in the background mm-hmm. and just walking, walking through the park. This is yeah. a 50 by 100 inch print. One of my favorites. Yeah. Just kind of, yeah. it takes me back to a place uh, that I love so much where mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time. I probably mm-hmm. spend somewhere between two and three weeks a year there. Yeah. Um, just guiding or sometimes being by myself, but yeah. usually guiding. Wow. Yeah. That's great. That's great. It's yeah. uh, elephants are just amazing. I mean, I, I just could sit for hours and just just watch them. I mean, most most people once they experience it for the first time with the elephants in the wild, I think feel the same. You know, it's just oh, yeah. incredible. You know, being around these beautiful giants, it's just there's nothing like it. Yeah, absolutely. there is nothing like it, especially yeah. when you're out of your vehicle lying on the ground underneath the front part of your vehicle with your iPhone or, or Android phone. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, exactly. look at- <laughs> I don't want to be left out <laughs> no, no, no. with your smartphone. How about yeah. that? Okay. But, but, but sitting there on the ground, feeling exposed, watching these beautiful animals walk by you. Mm-hmm. It, there's nothing like it. Yeah. There's nothing yeah. like it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I've, I know you can kind of see the picture of this guy over my shoulder here and uh-huh. um, I had quite an experience with that one. Um, and it was just, it was just magical. It was a really rainy day and we were inside the vehicle. We couldn't ride that day because of the rain and the mud. And I mean, he came up really close to the vehicle and just, you know, stood there and kind of looked us over and did his thing and, you know, threw yeah. a little mud on himself and, you know, but he came up pretty close and, you know, just kind of like, Hey, you're in my territory, but that's okay. I'm like, you know, I'm going to let it pass this time. And, you know, that kind of attitude, <laughs> oh, yeah. and, you know, so, I'm boss, you're not. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, so there is so, some, definitely some magical experiences to be had. And I would encourage anybody that has not been on a safari that has it on their list to take advantage and, and get out there and go do it. You know, I've, I've been surprised at times that people, some people have some fears about it. And I think that talking, like you mentioned earlier, talking about planning a a trip with somebody like me or you, or both of us, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, working together you know, can really help alleviate any kind of concerns or fears, oh, or, yeah. you know, things like that. Cause you know, obviously you've been there a lot more than I have, but we're both still here to tell the story. Oh, so, yeah. you know, yeah. 
<laughs> you know, but that, but that's the uh, that is one of the most common questions that people will ask me. They'll say like, uh, "Is it dangerous?" or "What's been your most dangerous moment?" And I have right. to sit there and scratch my you know, yeah. head and like. I can't think of a dangerous moment because right. my job is to make sure we don't have them. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's where going with the right person, the right guides. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't even really touch on that. We're running out of time, but I'll just really quickly make a plug for having the right guide. So whether it's oh, you yeah. or, you know, somebody yeah. that I would, you know, find for a different kind of safari than you do, that is just so important. You know, they're going to make yeah, a they're break managing the trip. experience. Mm-hmm. They're managing the experience. And a lot, a lot of your best guides are the guides that are permanent guides at camps. Um, So they might not need a specialist guide like myself to host the trip and to kind of go, go along all along the way. But the guides at the camps are just phenomenal. Absolutely. They're hosts not only for the camp, for the area, for the wildlife, yeah. but for their country yeah. as well. Yeah. Yes, that is yeah. so true. And the educational process they go through. Mm-hmm. It's not like they just yeah. show up one day and say, I, I want to be a guide. I mean, what they, they have to oh, go through. Oh, it takes a long <laughs> There's a, there's a lot, lot to it. There's a lot of training in there. And it's, exactly. it's some of it's book training. I mean, yeah. We have to we have to learn all of our mammals and angiosperms and yeah. birds and yeah. whatever. But also yeah. we have to learn behavior. We have to learn uh, how to manage and entertain our guests Yeah, yeah with knowledge, but also not drive yeah. them crazy with too much. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or critiquing their pictures too much that yeah, they get you know, no. testy about it. <laughs> Oh gosh. Well, thank you so much. This has been just great. And for anybody that's interested, you can follow Andy on Instagram at, at Andy underscore Biggs underscore safaris, correct? Correct. Yeah. Andy okay. Biggs safaris with underscore in between each word. Exactly. Yeah. So um, so you can can talk to him or me or both of us and we'll get you headed in the right direction for your safari. Thank you, Robin. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. That wraps up today's episode of The Intrepid Traveler. Thank you for listening or watching, and thank you to today's guest for joining me. I'll be back again in two weeks with another exciting episode featuring another guest with a story that is sure to pique your interest. Please subscribe to The Intrepid Traveler and give us a review. Once again, today's episode has been brought to you by Klein & Co. Travel Consulting, a luxury adventure and expedition travel planning company specializing in ungoogleable experiences.